We're in the third week of a series here at Genesis, a series that uh, we're calling Identity Crisis. And uh, if you're taking notes with us, if you got a, a, a sermon note card when you came in, uh, we've been talking about how as a Christian, uh, your identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in nothing uh, other than Jesus. And, and that means that for those of you that are Christians, uh, God purchased your life with a price. Uh, he purchased your life with, with his son, Jesus. And, and if you're not a Christian, uh, I want you to know that God paid the price uh, for you too. And he's just waiting for you uh, to trust him uh, with your life. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along with us, I know we've got some Bibles on the floor around the room, or maybe you use a Bible app like YouVersion. Uh, we invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 3 with us today. Uh, Kevin, our groups and discipleship pastor, was here teaching last week, and he talked about how Jesus uh, gives you your identity, uh, that it's not about who you were or the things that you do or accomplish for yourself. Uh, Jesus gives us our identity. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means to be in Christ, uh, which is really the big idea of Ephesians, uh, but the difference also that can make uh, when you're discouraged or when you're suffering uh, in your life. And I just want to say right up front that as we talk about suffering today, um, you need to know that this is a very sensitive topic for me. Uh, and it's a sensitive tof- topic because I know that it can be a very difficult topic uh, for some of you. And, and it's challenging for me because I don't feel uh, very qualified uh, to speak on a topic like suffering because honestly, uh, and if I'm just very truthful with you, I- I've not gone through some of the pain uh, and some of the suffering that uh, some of you have endured. And no doubt, um, I've had times in my life uh, uh, that have been tough and and challenging. But when I think about what some of you or what some others uh, from our church have gone through, uh, my troubles really are nothing more than scratches and scars. And I know that some of you here today have some really deep wounds uh, in your life um, from previous suffering and so, uh, or present suffering. And so I I just want you to know that I, I can't speak out of my suffering experiences but what I can do is I can speak to you from the word of God and, and I can look to you, uh, with you to his word and, and our savior, Jesus, he said it like this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, you know, Jesus wasn't one to, to shrink from the truth. And so he just comes right out here and he tells us that we're going to go through difficult times. He said, you know, God's people, you know, Christian or not, are going to suffer. But then there are these words of hope in that very same passage when Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but he he continues, he says, take heart. And this promise, he says, I have overcome the world. Now, what's fascinating about these words is that when Jesus spoke these words, he was looking ahead to the cross. But you and I, we have the benefit of looking back to the cross as we're reminded that our Savior suffered too. And he suffered the most. And that's comforting. Uh, That can be comforting for you when you realize that when we realize that in our times of suffering, uh, we don't have a God that's immune to our pain or a God that is separated from it. But in Jesus Christ, we have a God who entered into it. And he entered into this world and he tasted suffering and he experienced it with his life. And so he can identify. Our Savior can identify with us in the middle of our pain. And most importantly, 
we can have this confidence that one day Jesus is going to bring the suffering uh, to an end. And so uh, as you read uh, through the New Testament, and hopefully you've been reading through the book of Ephesians with us, or you'll continue doing that with us over the next five, six weeks, uh, we see example after example in the New Testament of people who suffered uh, for their faith in God. And one great example of that suffering is with a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. He's the writer, he's the author of this letter that we call uh, Ephesians. And if you know anything at all about Paul, you know that he encountered and he endured considerable suffering and difficult times over and over again. I mean, just take a look at these uh, two verses uh, at the beginning and at the end of the selection of verses that we're looking at today. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, and, and how he writes. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, here's what we know about Paul. We know that he's writing this letter from jail or uh, he's writing this letter from prison. So he's in a difficult place. He says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then at the very end of this selection in verse 13, he closes it out by saying, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my what? My sufferings. And so he says, hey, I'm a prisoner And I'm suffering, and so we know he's in a tough place, and based on those things that we've already read, we know that his identity is in Christ, all right? He is a Christ follower. His faith is in Jesus. Jesus gave him his identity, and so here's what we want to do today. Uh, We want to see what we can learn from his suffering, but what I want to do, and this might be a little bit of a challenge uh, for some of you today, I want to ask, how, how can we live through our suffering. I mean, if we're going to suffer, how can we live and how can we live confidently and in Christ uh, through that suffering? But let's do this first. Let's just, let's just ask the question I think we all want to ask whenever it comes to the topic of suffering. It's a good question, but the question of what causes suffering? I mean, where does it come from? And I, I just want to point out that I think one of the most common misconceptions uh, when it comes uh, about God is, is that God is sovereign, uh, which is true, um, but one of the misconceptions that comes out of that is that because God is sovereign, it must mean that he's responsible for everything, including all of the suffering in the world, that because he's all-powerful, anything that happens in this world or in your life or in your friend's life or in your family, well, then it must come from him, but I like the way that one person framed it. He said it like this. He says, you know, a king can be sovereign and rule over his kingdom without causing and approving of everything going on in that kingdom. And and so God is sovereign. We believe, I believe that the word teaches that God is sovereign, that he rules over this world, but that doesn't mean that he approves of everything that is going on in this world. I mean, we know this because the Bible says that God hates sin, right? The Bible says that God hates injustice, that he hates those hands that shed innocent blood, that he hates divorce. And so to say that God is causing these things to happen would be contrary to his very own nature. And so what does the Bible say? Uh, What does the Bible reveal to us when it comes to suffering and what causes this suffering? I mean, when we we study the Bible, we we learn that suffering comes from at least several different sources. Consider a few of these. Uh, You know, once in a while, things like distress and pain and suffering come from God. I mean, it's true. I mean, he, he, think about it. He sent 10 miserable plagues against the Egyptians uh, to motivate them to release uh, his people. And so sometimes God sends painful circumstances into our life. And he sends those painful circumstances as a way of warning us and, and strengthening us. I mean, Hebrews chapter 12 says that God disciplines us for our good. 
and he disciplines us so that we may share in his holiness. Uh, Some of the suffering in our life is simply the result of our own sin. Uh, It's the consequences of our actions. I mean, we bring it on ourselves. I mean, if you overeat, you're going to have health problems in time. Uh, If you steal, you're going to go to jail. I mean, if you lie, uh, you'll lose respect. Uh, If you root for the Cubs, you're not going to watch baseball in October, all right? I mean, there's just, there's consequences for our actions. I mean, if you gossip, you lose friends. And so there there are consequences for our choices. Uh, Some suffering uh, is the result of other people's sin. In the Old Testament, uh, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Now, it wasn't Joseph's fault that he sold him into slavery. I mean, his brothers were just full of envy and hatred. And so sometimes our suffering is the result of the sinful actions of others. I mean, like when a drunk driver uh, kills someone that you love or uh, when your spouse cheats or is unfaithful or your parents are abusive and you suffer as a result of someone else's sin. Uh, The Bible reveals that some suffering is the result of satanic attack. Again, in the Old Testament, we see that Job suffered greatly. I mean, he went bankrupt, uh, and his children were killed, and his health failed. And because of this, his so-called friends accused him of having some unconfessed sin in his life. But it wasn't Joseph's sin, and it wasn't the sin of of other people around Joseph. And, And God wasn't causing these things, but we know from Scripture that Satan was attacking him. But here's what I believe uh, where most of the suffering comes from, or even the greatest light, this, this understanding of suffering. It, it, it just comes simply because we live in a fallen world. Uh, we live in a fallen place in this time. And as uh, the Apostle Paul writes in, in Romans 8.22, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. You know, there's a chance that if you're new to all this and, and maybe you know little or not even sure you believe in something like a Bible, I, I think you could look at a verse like this and say, yeah, I can relate, I can understand that. How, how all of the world is groaning, he says, almost as if in the pains of childbirth. In other words, creation is just out of sync. I mean, it's, it's out of whack and the world is groaning and, and the air is polluted and the water is contaminated and the weather is affected and wars are fought and people die and are mistreated and our bodies are vulnerable to germs, disease, and aging. And, and so for now, all of creation groans, as Paul says, but someday, uh, and we have this hope as followers of Jesus, that God is going to make it all right again and he is going to restore all things. But in the meantime, We live in a world that is infected with sin, and we suffer the repercussions of it. And so while maybe it helps um, once in a while and from time to time to ask the questions of why, why we suffer, um, I just think that if we spend too much time on the why question, we're going to eventually find that we're asking the wrong question because why is all about assigning blame and it's all about looking for cause and it does nothing to redeem our suffering. And so that's why I think that there's another question that can help. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. I think this is why he's writing and the attitude that he's taken on as he writes right here in Ephesians 3. And his focus isn't so much on the why we suffer, but rather on the how we suffer and we all suffer and some of you are here today and you just know this to be so true in your life even with what you're facing right now or your kids are up against or your marriage is up against or what you've got going on at work or in your health and and you're suffering deeply and so you know we suffer and maybe you just feel like you know what I can't get away from the suffering Uh, some of you here and, and maybe you're just 
you're blessed in this season of your life, and so you don't know suffering, but I, I think we're all sensitive and aware to the fact that it just almost feels like it's right around the corner at times for every one of us. You know, there will come a day. I don't mean to be the doom and gloom guy, but we're all going to face suffering. And so what I want to do with the time that we have today is not so much focus on the why we suffer, but I, I want to do what Apostle Paul is doing here today, and I want to ask the question of how should we suffer And what I've been praying for you is that God would just open up your heart today, that if you are in the middle of suffering, that maybe he's got a word for you today or he's got some encouragement for you today in the how we should suffer. Because if we are in Christ and our identity comes from him, well, that changes everything. That changes the ball game and how we live and how we can live And so let's ask this question together, how we should suffer. It's in your notes. Uh, If you're following along with us, the first thing is this. um, Suffer, let's suffer, because we're in Christ, for the good of others. All right, for the good of others. I mean, the Apostle Paul shows us that we can suffer for the good of others. Let's pick it up in uh, verse 1 again, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he continues into verse 2. He says, Surely you have heard about the administrations of of God's grace that was given to me, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Paul basically says, hey, my suffering is for a reason. He's saying there's a purpose behind my suffering. Now, unlike Paul here, I think that one of the things that, well, if you're just, if you're human, all right, and if you're normal, uh, one of the things that happens when we suffer is that our focus quickly turns inward. And we lose sight of others, and all of the uh, focus is, is on us. And, and we forget that other people are watching, and we forget that other people are hurting too. And, and Paul's in prison, uh, not because he did anything wrong, but because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Right? He was so focused on talking about Jesus, and he wouldn't let it go. And so it's for that reason that he's in prison, and he's separated from his friends uh, in Ephesus. And, and look what he says next, picking up in verse 4. He says, in reading this then, because it's a letter he's written, he says, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Meaning, hey, there are some things I've learned you know, that God has revealed to me, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, people like Paul. He says, this mystery, all right, he's been using that word mystery, is that through the gospel, that is the good news about Jesus, the Gentiles, or anyone that's not a Jew, are heirs together with Israel. Again, the gospel is not just for the Jews anymore, all right? It's for all people, and Paul's a part of proclaiming that news. He says, we are members together of one body. He says, we are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, hey, I'm a prisoner of Jesus, and I'm in jail because I love to tell people about Jesus, and then he just says, and this is for the good of others. He says, what an opportunity I've been given to open this message of Jesus to the entire world, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles, all people. And and here's what's interesting about this. Here's what's fascinating about Paul. The old Paul had no compassion or affection whatsoever for anyone who wasn't a Jew. But then Jesus got a hold of his life. And now he's in Christ. And and before long, he learns that it's not just Jew, but it's also Gentile. And, and so it's all about Jesus. And so Paul received his new identity in Christ. And what that identity did is it marked him so profoundly that even in his suffering, he was ready and willing to tell everyone, including the Gentiles, about Jesus Christ. See, Paul's passion was helping people find their way back to God. That was his passion in anything and everything. 
in the good and the bad. And what we see here is how he realizes that his suffering, that he is suffering because he wants others to know about Jesus too. And I just think that if we stop there, that that's just a great lesson and a great reminder for you and me that we need to, that you need to be continually reminded that you've got people in your life right now and around your work or around your school or in your apartment building or on your campus uh, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, who have not experienced the life-changing power of Jesus. And so for them, he's still a mystery. And they don't know him. And they haven't met him yet. And for Paul, again, he's in prison. But what he, what, what he acknowledges here is that his suffering and his hardship have provided for him an even greater opportunity to talk to others about Jesus, uh, whether from jail or with this letter to the people in, Ephes- in Ephesus. And so here's my question for you. How can your suffering, how can your hardship help you point others to Jesus Christ? I mean, what would it look like for you today to walk out of here with this enthusiasm or this passion or this faith to say that, you know what, even in my suffering, I believe that God may even want to use my hardships right now so that I can help point others to Jesus Christ. I mean, how could God, how might God choose to use your present pain uh, to make a difference uh, in someone else's life for the name of Jesus? Because here's the really interesting thing about our suffering. If you've suffered, or if you're currently suffering or enduring some discouraging times, as far as other people are concerned, you've got credibility. Isn't that true? I mean, you've got credibility. If you hurt, uh, you've got credibility with so many other people, and because of that, you have influence. Um, I think about just some of the different people around Genesis and you know, being a pastor, I have the opportunity to hear so many stories of people that are hurting and going through difficult times. We've got a woman right now in our church, a woman by the name of Linda. And uh, Linda is currently suffering through cancer. She's got lung cancer. And uh, she's been coming to Genesis for a while now. And she's got great faith and prays great big prayers. And she prayed for her husband a long time. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. And finally, he started showing up at Genesis. And wouldn't you know, there was a day where he finally came forward and he invited Jesus into his life, and we baptized him, and that was really exciting. But right now, she's enduring some difficult times, and her husband's enduring those difficult times uh, with her. And the other day, I went to the hospital to visit her as uh, she she was in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and um, her uh, niece had just shaved her head and just minutes before I got there. And if you've ever been through anything like that before, you know how something difficult like that can be. And, And so I just sat down there next to her, just expecting to encounter a very hurt and broken person, and uh, she just started telling me about how she's using this opportunity in the hospital with every nurse and every doctor and every assistant that comes in to tell them about Jesus, to talk about the hope that she has in Jesus Christ. And so she's suffering right now for the sake of others. Doesn't mean it's hard, that it's not hard, right? It's still hard, and I'm sure it's more difficult than I'll ever realize or maybe will one day realize but she's suffering for the sake of others i think about uh, uh, some parents of, of a good friend of mine that i had uh, all the way as a young kid and all the way up through high school a guy by the name of billy and he was killed one day uh, when his car was trying to cross a train track way out in the country hit by a train and he was killed and i remember the night i went to his funeral showing and you ever been to a funeral showing of a young person you know how people just line outside of the building and it was a long line and we were in line for an hour maybe two hours and when I got to, the, to Billy's casket, I discovered why, and that is that his parents were taking every opportunity, especially with each young person, to tell him the good news about Jesus. 
And uh, that while they, and even though they were suffering, uh, they have great hope and great faith because they were confident that their son is with the Lord and how they wanted that for every person there. I think about my friends, Jim and Terry, and they attended Genesis and, and I love their story. And many, many years ago, some 40 years ago, they went through a horrible time in their marriage and uh, he was unfaithful and there were multiple affairs and she kept hanging on. And one day God got a hold of Jim's life and he came to Christ and they discovered forgiveness and redemption in their marriage and are still together now some 40 years later. And they wouldn't wish what they went through on anyone. But with what they have today, uh, they know that just part of their ministry with their marriage and through that forgiveness is to tell others about, hey, there is one who can do even more. His name is Jesus and he has healed us and he's healed our marriage. You know, what have, what have you been through? Uh, what are you going through right now? Um, I mean, with every bit of sensitivity in me, I, I just want to say, um, don't miss it. Uh, don't take a chance at wasting the opportunity maybe that God has given you. I mean, your suffering could be the beginning of your ministry. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that you can't have questions. And that doesn't mean that we can't shed tears or that there aren't really difficult days and, and frustrations. But here's the thing. I mean, I believe that God can use these too. Uh, he can use these questions and he can help you in such a way that you can sort through these and, and the way that you respond uh, for the sake of others can be such a beautiful thing. And because you're in Christ, uh, because we're in Christ, I believe that we can suffer in such a way that makes an incredible difference uh, in the lives of other people. And this was true of Paul. I mean, he suffered, but he recognized that it was his suffering that provided him an even greater opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with others too. And, and not only did Paul suffer, but Jesus suffered. And uh, he suffered for us. And here's what's so amazing about Jesus, that our God chose to enter into the world and to experience affliction and pain and poverty and rejection and death. And that's why in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities and, and the punishment that, that, that was on him, that it brought us peace. And by his wounds, as the scripture says, we're healed that we're healed through those wounds. And here's why that this is good news, that no matter what's going on in your life, we have this reminder that our Savior has been through more. And he's alive today, and that means that he's there to help us in our suffering, and he can help us suffer in a way uh, that is good for others around us too. And so who's the audience that God has given you right now? Uh, who's the audience that he's put in your life? Because you're in Christ you can suffer in such a way that might just make all the difference in someone else's life for Jesus. Uh, you can suffer for the sake of others. Here's the second thing that I think we see in Paul, um, that you can suffer and you can grow. Uh, you can experience tremendous growth uh, during your time of suffering. I mean, Paul says that you can suffer uh, and, and grow from it, and he shows us. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 7. I'm going to read this for you in the message, which is just kind of a paraphrase, a modern-day paraphrase of these words. Listen to what Paul writes and says. He says, hey, this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. Again, helping people find their way back to God. He says, it came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details when it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way. He says, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians, but God saw to it that I was equipped 
but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. He goes on to say, and so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. And so we see here that Paul's suffering, all right, and even as he suffers, he's growing. I mean, he's growing too. I mean, he's growing in his ministry and in his influence and in his, in his faith and in his understanding of God too. And you have to look over to the uh, New International Version to see where Paul says uh, in this same selection, he says, I minister only by God's grace. There's humility in those words. I mean, he's been humbled. And, and I mean, this is Paul. I mean, he's a smart, educated uh, guy, but he's not bragging here. He's saying, hey, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians, but God saw to it that I was equipped. And so for Paul, he doesn't stand alone. He, he sees himself in the light of Jesus. And, and one thing that you'll find or that we'll discover in our lives is that we can grow and we can mature in our faith, you know, and, and fall more and more in love with Jesus uh, even during our greatest suffering. Again, I, I know that some of you are really hurting right now. And again, for you, it, you, you may be devastated or fighting depression uh, or discouragement. And some of you feel like you've got no hope whatsoever. But listen, God can use this season of your life. Uh, he can use even this present suffering that you're experiencing right now to grow your faith and, and to make you more and more like Jesus. I mean, some of the greatest gifts and growth come out of our pain. Um, think about uh, physical work. Or think about working out or something. Like, uh, for example, I've got two buddies sitting here in the front row, Kai and Luke, and they both uh, run on a cross-country team that I helped to coach. And we had a big meet yesterday, and both of those guys did uh, tremendous. And I helped to coach a group of about uh, seven or eight, six to eight-year-olds. That's, that's my group. Or, or we've got all the way up to nine-year-olds, in fact. That's my team. And so we practice, right, so that we can work hard in a race. And sometimes, as the, one of the coaches, I have to be the chief motivator at practice, all right? I've got to help these young boys understand why we're going to go run this 800 three times, you know, or why we're going to run it four or five times. And every once in a while I get tired. And so I decide, well, I'll bow out. I can coach better from the sidelines because these guys are uh, really fast, but we work hard and practice, right? So that we can, we can succeed, that we can run even harder uh, during the race. And so there's a benefit of the physical pain, whether you do CrossFit or you run races or, or you lift weights. I mean, uh, think about a tree or what a plant experiences during a drought, you know, that even a tree, the roots grow deeper uh, during some of the most difficult seasons. It's a stronger tree as a result uh, of some of the pain. Think about a mother uh, giving or uh, enduring the horrible pain uh, of childbirth, but she's willing to do it because she knows there's something to gain from it. I mean, none of us, uh, I would hope, wants to have surgery, but we sometimes realize that the pain is necessary for the good of the body. And so I think that's why James, the brother of Jesus, could write, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith develops perseverance. See, we grow, we can grow uh, through our suffering. And one of the greatest ways that we grow through our suffering is when we realize what it means that we have the presence of God because we are in Christ. If you're in Christ, what it means to have the presence of God in us uh, each day. Look over at uh, Romans 8, 26. Paul, the apostle Paul calls out, he says, hey, the spirit, again, the presence of Jesus helps us in our weakness. And, and so that part of that role uh, of the spirit is to comfort us in trouble. I mean, remember Jesus said, you're gonna have trouble. 
Uh, but then he let us know that we weren't going to have to do this alone. And so he says, I'll send a comforter. He says, I'm going to send my presence to be with you. And, and the Holy Spirit not only comforts, but look at what else the Holy Spirit does for us. Uh, again, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then continuing on into verse 27, it says, we do not know. Here's just one of the examples he gives us. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I heard the story of one of the pastors in Noblesville yesterday. His son committed suicide this past week. They're a brand new family. They've just come to Noblesville. And as I was just trying to pray for him yesterday, I mean, the thought crossed my mind of, what do you pray? And I was reminded of this verse that if you've ever had moments like that where you don't know what to pray, but you go before the Lord, we've got this hope that the presence of Jesus, the Spirit of God, guess what he prays for us? And uh, I love what one person said about this verse. He wrote it like this. He says, if you've ever hurt so much that you couldn't put into words your prayers, all you could do was sigh or groan or cry, it was then perhaps that you prayed your most eloquent prayer. The Holy Spirit took that groan, took that sigh, that tear, and carried those to the Father and translated them into the most beautiful prayer you've ever prayed. And isn't that encouraging? See, we grow in our suffering. I mean, one of, the, one of the benefits of being in Christ is the presence of God in us. And if, if you're in Christ, that means your life is reinforced by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit intercedes in our struggles. And that means that you can grow as you learn to trust and trust in his presence in your life. It's why Paul will go on to say, and hopefully you read this or you'll read this this week in Ephesians 3.16, just a few verses outside of this section. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. That means to grow you, all right? Even in your difficult times with power through what? Digging deep, toughening up, getting over it and moving on. No, he doesn't say that. He says through the spirit, the presence of Jesus who is in your inner being. See, Paul suffered and he grew in Christ and Jesus suffered too. Uh, And one of the things that Jesus did for us when he came to the earth was to veil his deity so that he could be completely human here on earth and without sin. And that means that he suffered. And and Hebrews shows us that. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says that our Savior Jesus, that he learned obedience in his life by what he suffered. That he grew through his suffering, and he learned dependence on God, his Father, through his suffering. And we're going to suffer and some of you are suffering today and you've been through it before and you know it even better than I do. And here's the hope that we have. If you call yourself a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, that you are in Christ and you can suffer and you can grow from it. And he can do wonderful things in your life, even in this season. The last thing is this, number three, is that we can suffer for God's glory. Uh, we can suffer for God's glory. Look at, look at verse 10 as we wrap this up. Paul says, his intent was that now through the church, That's people like you and me. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Meaning, hey, God wants to use each of us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to this world according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, he says, in him, that's Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And then he finishes by saying, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged for my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Again, Paul says, God's intent is that my suffering uh, is that his wisdom 
would be made known, that God wants to use my suffering to communicate this message, that the purpose of God would be accomplished. And and you and I, here's what we have to find. You and I won't understand that until we realize that being in Christ means that God's uh, greatest concern or primary concern is not my daily happiness and his primary concern is not your daily happiness. God's primary concern is the accomplishment of his will for this world. Uh, It's kind of like this. You know, a general wants to keep up the morale of his troops, but the primary purpose of any army is not the individual happiness of the soldier, but the accomplishment of a mission. And sometimes on that mission, there are soldiers who get wounded and there are some soldiers who die to accomplish the mission. And in the same way, there are some Christians and maybe even some of you here today who have really had to suffer and some Christians who have been martyred for their sake or for their, uh, with their life, but all for the sake of accomplishing God's will. See, again, there is something that we can learn from the way that Paul suffered. I mean, just look at any of his letters from prison, including this one. You're going to find that in his writing, he doesn't hate his enemies, and he's not complaining, and he's being honest, and he's worshiping, and he's not losing heart. And where did he get an attitude like that? He got it from Jesus, from studying the life of Jesus. I mean, the one who never complained, And the one who endured so much on the cross, and while he hung there, Jesus knew and realized that people and the world would be watching. And so now Paul is just reflecting his faith. That word glory just means to reflect, right? Paul is reflecting his faith in God and what it means to be in Christ and for Christ to be in you. And the truth is that sometimes we hurt and sometimes we suffer and life is hard and we want it to stop and we want it to be over. But I wonder if Paul would say to us, if he would say, you know what, I know you're hurting. If he were here today, he would say, I know you're hurting and I know what you're going through. But in that, just remember that people around you, they're watching. And don't forget that you've been given an enormous opportunity to glorify God and it's okay to say that you're hurting But don't lose heart. Don't give up hope because you are in Christ. And that changes the ball game. And because you're in Christ, he can be glorified in and through your life too. Again, are you suffering today? Let me just ask you to consider and pray about, you know, who's that audience that the Lord has given to you? Uh, Whether it be your kids right now, uh, your family and friends, the people around you, the people that you work with. Uh, neighbors, coworkers, uh, even as you go out on social media and live your life on social media, just that constant reminder that people are watching, people are listening. How could I glorify God even through this? And that reminder too that he, he, he is watching and, and he loves you and he is with you. And, and if you're in Christ, that reminder that his presence is with you. And, and before we wrap up, you know, let me say this uh, in case we haven't emphasized this enough. If you are here today and if you are hurting, um, I want to challenge you to be honest with yourself in that. Um, it's okay. It's okay to admit that you're hurting or that you're suffering. And even in that, uh, if you find yourself hurting or suffering right now, and especially if you're experiencing some loneliness uh, in that, talking about it helps. Uh, find someone that you can talk to. Uh, reach out to someone here at Genesis or the friend uh, that brought you today or uh, reach out to the connection group that you're a part of uh, right now. You don't have to hide. We don't have to put on these pretend masks. Uh, uh, we, we've been given an opportunity. You've got some people in your right, life right now that maybe would love to listen or could relate or could encourage you. We've got some great counseling resources 
uh, for those of you that are hurting. We'd love to help you point or to point you in, uh, in those directions uh, if that would help. And uh, the last thing that I would say is this, that uh, find comfort. I pray that you will find comfort in the presence and the friendship of Jesus um, because he suffered and he's been there and he will be and can be like he was for the Apostle Paul, uh, strength for you. And uh, let me just show you one last example of that. Uh, there's a writer by the name of Philip Yancey, and uh, he tells the story of a guy by the name of Dr. Paul Brand. And uh, Dr. Paul Brand's uh, previous trip to visit a leper colony uh, in India. And here's what uh, he writes. He says, uh, he came just as an observer, uh, but they were so appreciative of him before they insisted uh, that he say something. And so this man, this Dr. Paul Brandy, stood in front of these lepers, not knowing what to say, but being a hand surgeon, he couldn't help but notice their hands. And here are these lepers with their hands, many of them drawn into a claw, some of them that were missing fingers. Uh, most of them were sitting on their hands or just finding some way to hide them. Dr. Brand said, he says, you know, I'm a hand surgeon, so I always notice people's hands. A palm reader says that he can tell you the future by looking at your hands. I can tell you something about a person's past by looking at their hands, whether they're calloused or through their fingernails. I can tell sometimes people's character by their hands. He says, I love hands. And he could tell that the lepers were somewhat self-conscious about this, but then he began to talk to them about the hands of Jesus. Here's what he says. You know, he says, I would have loved to have met Jesus Christ and just been able to shake his hands and feel his hand in mine. Knowing the kind of person that he is, I think I know something about the hands of Jesus. And so from there, he just started describing Jesus as a little baby, his tiny fingers in the manger holding on to the finger of his dad. Then the awkward hands of the little boy Jesus, maybe holding a stylus to perform the letters of the alphabet. Then the hands of Jesus the carpenter, strong, gnarled, bruised with splinters, working with the wood. Then he talked about the hands of Jesus as a physician, sensitive, compassionate, powerful hands, touching people who are blind and making them able to see, people with withered hands and making them well blessing little children, and then the crucified hands of Jesus. He said, think about that. He said, it hurts me to think about Jesus' hands being crucified because it's almost impossible to drive a nail through a hand without paralyzing it. So Jesus' hand was clawed and paralyzed when he died on the cross. And an observer in that moment in the crowd said that the atmosphere in the leper colony suddenly became electric as for the first time they thought of Jesus paralyzed. Jesus clawed hands like me. But then Dr. Brand said, you know, the most fascinating thing to me is to think about the resurrected hands of Jesus. You know, usually when we think about the resurrected body as being perfect, but when Jesus arose from the dead, what did he say to his disciples? He says, it is I, come see my hands. In fact, he invited Thomas. He said, come put your finger in my hand. And then he asked, why would Jesus carry with him the scars in his hands for eternity? Could it be because he wants to have it as a continual reminder of what it was like to suffer so that there would be the ongoing understanding that Christ suffered and hurt for us? And then Yancey finishes the story like this. He says, and as Dr. Brand finishes talk, it said that all those lepers almost simultaneously quit hiding their hands and lifted their hands in praise to God and thanksgiving to Dr. Brand and the familiar sign of Indian respect, namaste. Those gnarled, clawed hands those stubs, those fingerless palms now held a new dignity and a new sense of worth because Christ's own response to suffering made their suffering easier. I pray that in and through your suffering, you'll not only be a help to others, 
that maybe you can grow from it, but that you will also find confidence and strength in the presence of God. And it's why the Hebrews of, or the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 could write it like this. He says, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Can we do that together right now? Will you bow your heads and pray with me? And uh, I just want to invite you right now. You know your life. You know your story. And you know your circumstances. Uh, Would you find hope and strength in those words today that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and, and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need? Maybe just right now in your own words before the Lord, with confidence, just pray and ask him, God, would you help me? Would you help me? God, we've got people who are hurting today. Uh, We've got people here today who are hurting for others, Lord. And I pray and thank you, Lord, that we can approach the throne of grace, that we can approach Jesus with confidence. And uh, that's what we're doing right now. And I pray that you would lead, that you would draw people to yourself today and they would find peace and hope and strength in you, Lord, no matter what they're facing, and that you would give them the confidence that their prayers are being heard and that they will be answered. We thank you for the truth that the Holy Spirit is praying alongside of us and going before us even today and praying such an eloquent prayer, Lord, a powerful prayer. And uh, God, I pray that we might find confidence even if we don't know what to say today. Lord, would you help us to suffer? For the sake of others, Uh, Lord, would you help us to grow in our suffering? God, may we suffer, even though it doesn't always make sense, for the sake of your glory and for your will and for your purposes in this world. And we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, that he suffered with us too and he suffered before us and he does get it and he does understand. And I pray that in some way that only you can accomplish, Lord, that that will make our desire for him even greater and bring us comfort and strength today. And Um, And as we pray too, I I realize that some of you here today, maybe you're new to all of this or you've been asking some questions of this for some time and you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that you can go in confidence to him and open your life to him and he'll respond and he'll come into your life and you'll have the power and the presence of Jesus in you and you'll never be the same. You know, wherever you are right now and Uh, If you feel God's working in your life and you're ready to respond to him, just pray a prayer like this. Just pray, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior today. And uh, God, we we celebrate that. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for life change. And uh, we pray that you would work powerfully in this place right now as we sing and as we respond and as we trust you. And for some here today who are trusting you for the very first time, I pray that they will be changed. And again, never the same, Lord, by the grace and the love of Jesus. We thank you and praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.